Hello everyone, I'm Al Del Deegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. We're supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Alan Marston is a successful corporate executive heading up departments in business development, sales, marketing, and human resources. As a serial entrepreneur, Alan has over 18 years experience in the technology startup space and was the CEO of his own Silicon Valley company. Currently founder of Zenoshi.io, Alan is building a universal rewards card program on the blockchain. You're about to listen to Alan's conversation with fellow rainforester, Stacy Richter. So let's get started. Take it away, Alan. Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Marston here with the Rainforest Podcast, and I'm sitting with Stacy Richter. And so, Stacy, welcome here today, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit about you and what you're doing, where you've come from, what you're doing today. Thanks, Alan. I'm looking really forward to chatting about you know, myself, of course, who doesn't like talking about themselves and the rainforest, of course. Right on, right on. Good. So, uh, Stacy, tell us a little bit about your journey. Where have you kind of come from? What did you start with? Uh, you know, what are you doing today? You know, uh, uh, take us back a little bit. Yeah, that goes back quite a way, Alan, but I'll keep it as short and brief as possible. Uh, but I'm born and raised here in Calgary, actually. So I've yeah. seen uh, every weather pattern, every economy in this entire city. Uh, and Calgary's always been home, but I've lived all over the world. Uh, I've spent most of Western Canada. I lived for in BC for a little while. I uh, lived in Lloydminster and, of course, Calgary. Uh, and I also spent some time in Germany. Uh, but my journey uh, as an entrepreneur and a business owner really started when I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Calgary. I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree there with a double major in marketing and information systems. But what was really interesting about that is it also took me over to Germany. And that's when I lived uh, in Europe. And I studied at the University of Kaiserslautern. You say that three times fast. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. It is. And, you know, I studied there for six months, had an amazing time. Um, but what it did teach me was that as big a country as Canada is, it's very small in the span of the world. And uh, it really did open up my attitudes, my beliefs, and had a big impact on how I decided to move my career going forward when I came back here to Canada. And my journey started off as an employee after I graduated from university and you know, I had some great experiences working for some very large corporations. But what I wasn't able to get was real fulfillment out of it. I had great jobs, great incomes, and worked with awesome people. But what I did find was I didn't get a ton of fulfillment out of what I was doing. And it took until I finished my master's in business administration to figure out that I wasn't meant to be an employee. And when I finished my graduate studies, um, I actually ended up firing my boss, believe it or not, and started my entrepreneurial career. Although I didn't know that's what was going to happen at the time. I just knew I wasn't fulfilled. I needed to do something different. So I had actually fired my boss on April 1st, 2009. The funny part about that is he thought it was a joke. I went into his office, drove up to Edmonton, handed him my letter of resignation. And because it was April Fool's Day, he thought it was a joke. And by the time April 2nd came around, I didn't show up for work that day. You know, it wasn't a joke. So, but I didn't know what I was going to do. 
but circumstances, uh, law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, a very good friend of mine approached me uh, about starting our very first marketing agency together. And it was a very scary and exciting time all at the, uh, the same moment. And I remember our very first executive meeting at his kitchen table was we had enough cash flow in the bank account as a business to pay both of us for three months. And his conversation with me was after three months, uh, we don't have enough cash flow to pay one of us. So we kind of knew where that was leading, but we never did look back and we ended up growing that agency from his kitchen table to six offices across North America, which included here in Calgary, uh, New York, San Francisco, LA, Atlanta, and eventually Seattle. So uh, very, very exciting times. That's kind of where my story started. Great. And what was the, you know, of all that you did, uh, going to university, double majors, man, you're a smart guy. Uh, what, uh, doing all of that, living in Germany, uh, you know, the, the agency that you grew and all that kind of stuff, what was the most interesting part of all of that? The and most rewarding part, I would say, is figuring out how much I don't actually know. Right? I've got more education, uh, formal education, I should say, than most people. And it's amazing how much little we actually know about the world, uh, about the world at large, the people we work with, uh, how business actually runs, because uh, there's no real way you can textbook that kind of information. So the biggest realization I had is I don't really know that much. I read a lot and I study a lot, but at the end of the day, it's all about going out and getting experience and doing more so than reading about and that was probably the, the biggest realization. Uh, when we talk about excitement, uh, and I'm probably in the most exciting venture that I've seen uh, for myself in quite a while, and it it's, involves helping landed immigrants from the Philippines uh, send money home to their families. And you know, this is a very exciting time for technology, uh, particularly blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and, and what's happening all over the world today. So that's what you're doing doing right now. That's right. That's okay. right now. All right. Okay. We're, we'll come back to that in just a minute. I also want to, because uh, you and I met most recently at the Rainforest that's right. and uh, at Lunch Without Lunch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm meeting some phenomenal people and uh, you are definitely one of those phenomenal people. So tell me uh, how long you've been a part of the Rainforest and, and why? Why the Rainforest? I mean, you're a busy guy already. Uh, why are you uh, putting in any time in the rainforest? That's a great question. So I've been uh, part of the rainforest uh, for the better part of eight months. Uh, typically go every week to lunch without lunch, uh, not necessarily without fail, but every single week that I can get there, I'm there. And at first, uh, when I first started going to lunch without lunch, I didn't know why. Uh, I actually was first introduced to the rainforest network through uh, a venture capitalist conference here uh, last year where uh, Jim had actually gotten a chance to get up and speak. Jim Gibson, uh, author of Tip of the Spear, one of the co-founders of uh, the Rainforest. And he is actually speaking about the Rainforest. And I was literally sitting right next to an A100 member. And he looked at me and said, do you go to that? And I said, no, I've never heard of it. He's like, wow, if you're a fintech startup, you better start going to that. And so I started going at that point. And the reason why I keep going is the more important part is the number of collisions that happen at the rainforest, uh, lunch without lunch and in other events supported by the rainforest because it is the, the 10 promises and commitments that we make to the rainforest that makes it different. The social contract. The social about. contract. Exactly. Right. 
And that's why we keep going. I go to lots of networking events. Many of them are paid, some of them are not. And the challenge with them is most of them are filled with a bunch of salespeople trying to sell each other their products and mm-hmm. services. Exactly. And no business really gets done. There's no you know, benefit to you know, anybody else except for the salesperson who gets a yes. But the rainforest and lunch without lunch is much different because of the social contract. It really is about getting in, um, giving first, uh, and then if there's an ask, by all means, but it is about giving first, uh, giving freely uh, and free, of course, without expectation return. And that creates a much different networking environment than a sales conference where people are just pitching products and services. And that's why I keep going, because the amount of benefit that I've already received from attending Lunch Without Lunch, uh, I couldn't even measure. There is no dollar amount I could put towards the value on that. That's great. Very good. Um, And that's the reason why I go. I mean, I go every single week because I've met some phenomenal people. It's not about me getting. It's about uh, how I can give to the community. And invariably, I get back. Right. So that's the amazing thing. Now, you're also working for a magazine, I understand, called Community Now. You're doing some phenomenal stuff there. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a very fun venture. So. Uh, through my marketing agency and entrepreneurship, um, I've had the benefit of being involved in PR and media. And I recognize the value of what conventional media really means and what journalism really means to people. And Community Now magazine uh, is that intersection of media and business and community. And in fact, the four pillars include innovation, business, education, and community. That's why I got involved. So I do write the innovation column for Community Now magazine. I actually also support the events. Uh, I help organize a little bit, although my contribution to that side of it is very little. You know, Krista Mulden is the publisher of Community Now magazine. She does an amazing job. And you know, she's one of those people you will always step up to help no matter what she asks. Right? If she asks for a favor, it's not a what is it, I'll see if I can do it. It's an automatic yes. And that's what Community Now magazine is about. Uh, it's, you know, whether it's business, innovation, community, and education, uh, the intersection of all four of those pillars uh, are what is going to move you know, the community forward. And you know, I'm referring to the rainforest community. I'm talking about Calgary. I'm talking about Alberta. And the world has become a much smaller place as a result of technology. But most people have started to lose sight on what that technology is supposed to enable. And it's supposed to enable a human connection. And I mean, I love social media for its outreach capability, but I don't think enough people are taking the online connection and engagement and taking it offline. And that's what Community Now magazine is, is working towards, is taking all of those collisions that are happening in media and in technology and throughout the world and bringing it to eventually a person-to-person engagement. And that's why I love what Community Now Magazine is doing. And they're doing that through the events. Is that what, what I'm understanding? They're, they're taking the collisions uh, uh, the, that are happening online and bring them, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, online, bring them offline. They're doing that through the events. Is that what you're saying? That's right. So the mandate with Community Now Magazine is we're uh, distributing 10 issues per year, which are all going out digitally, which is interesting for a magazine. That's where media is going. But Four issues every year are going to be printed. And somebody asked, why would you ever print a magazine these days? It's certainly not trending that way. 
Well, because the reason for the print magazine is to have an anchor so that we can have a, a special event every quarter uh, to promote some sort of a community initiative. I'll give you an example. So December uh, just passed. Uh, we had our very first print magazine. It was a beautifully written and produced piece. And we hosted a fundraiser event for Canadian Mental Health Association. Uh, it was our first event uh, as a magazine, as an organization. And imagine trying to run an event two weeks before Christmas. Everybody's launching Christmas parties. Everybody's busy. There's hockey games going on. Mm-hmm. We were able to fill a room of about 75 people and raise about $4,000 to the Canadian Mental Health Association. First okay. event. So we know the community's out there. We know their support for it. Uh, but they need a platform. So the Community Now magazine is a platform for uh, small to medium-sized businesses to get their story out there. Uh, it's also a platform for communities to express their initiatives and what benefits they're bringing. It's a platform for authors and writers uh, to get their message into a conventional media and so that it can be shared and engaged. So every business out there uh, wants their message heard. Uh, how can Community Now uh, accommodate all of that, all of those messages? Uh, we're, we're here uh, doing this podcast today at Infusion Coworking, for example, and uh, there's a number of businesses here that want to get their message out. Do you have the capacity to accommodate all of those on the innovation side, on the business side, on the education side? How would you do that? That's a great question, Alan. And that's the beauty of technology the way it is today. So uh, first and foremost, it is a conventional magazine with columns and articles and advertisers and sponsors. So there are articles written about initiatives. I mentioned I write an innovation column and I typically feature uh, local business as doing something very interesting or has a tremendous amount of impact in our city on the innovation side. Uh, so I can only write one column per month and we only have so many columns. So that's the first way we support Calgary business is for that those special uh, features and topics, they can actually get into the magazine uh, in the digital and or the print depending on the month. Now, the second piece is not every story can be printed in a column. Otherwise, we're going to have a 10,000-page magazine if we wrote about every single business that's possible. But that doesn't mean that a business can't get coverage. So we also post articles on our website. Right. So we can take you know, interesting stories that are written uh, either you know, by authors or as a column writer, I can still write a story about a, a you know, great company or great entrepreneur and put it up as an article on our website. And there's no better media than free media. At the end of the day, the, you know, a magazine writing about uh, a particular business has way more credibility than somebody writing about themselves. So there's a, the other angle on how we can – uh, support Calgary businesses and entrepreneurs, whether it's about innovation, community, business, or education, um, we can actually get those, help people get their story out there. And the beauty about technology where it is today is it lives there forever. Okay, that's awesome. So tell me now about uh, your project because I've been very fascinated. I'm in the blockchain space myself and uh, being fascinated by what you're doing in the fintech world with trying to make it easier uh, for people to send money over long distances. There are a lot of people working in that area. What are you doing in that space? 
That's an awesome question. So the project you're talking about is called Oro, O-R-O, or a company's name, Oro Services. And we're the bank for the unbanked. So we're developing a software platform that helps landed immigrants and foreign workers from the Philippines, like caregivers, nannies, retail workers, uh, construction laborers, uh, send money home to their families in the Philippines as if they were able to deliver the money themselves. So someone like uh, you know Joy, I'll give you an example, a nanny here in Calgary, uh, she would typically have to travel an hour and a half one way to get to a transfer shop she's comfortable with to send money to her family in Manila. Uh, that transfer will typically take anywhere between two to four days and will probably cost her anywhere between $15 and $22 to send. Okay? Now, that doesn't even guarantee that the money gets there, not to mention that on the other side, her family risks getting robbed when they go to pick up that money. So what we've done is we've developed a platform where someone like Joy can use her mobile device, send the money to her family where they receive that money in a stored value card. And that transaction happens in less than 90 seconds. And that's money that's sitting on a card where they don't have to go pick up anywhere. And when they do need cash, they can use it in an ATM uh, to go withdraw the money, or they can just use it as a prepaid Visa card at any store. So this is what technology is enabling us to do. It's not for the sake of technology. It's for the benefit of everybody involved. That's phenomenal. So I, I just caught something, and I know we've talked about this before, but I just figured out something that you just said, and it just blew my mind. So you're saying that the person here could send it using their mobile phone. The person on the other side in the Philippines could receive that on a card. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly. So like a debit card kind of a thing where they can go and actually take the cash out of the bank. That's it, exactly. That is absolutely amazing. Now, I, you said the Filipino community. I imagine that's where you're starting. But, of course, there are people working here sending money back to India, sending it to Haiti, sending it to uh, Kenya and Uganda and all over the world. All over the place. You know, Alan, uh, again, this is where the international travel experience I've had has benefited me because if I were to only stay here in Calgary, you know, for most of my life and career, I would have a very narrow view of this. And it wasn't until uh, – we actually brought on some laborers from the Philippines 15 years ago is where this really started. Uh, I was involved in a construction company. We did work for oil and gas, and we took advantage of the temporary foreign worker program, if you remember that program. And I actually had three Filipino workers boarded in my house while they worked for this construction company to see what those guys went through, uh, where they did, barely spoke English, um, couldn't drive, couldn't even open up a bank account. Uh, so they were literally taking their checks to Western Union, cashing part of it, sending money to their family. Uh, it was an absolute nightmare for them. Uh, but it's only 15 years later today where technology is being able to uh, – is enabling that for us. So when we talk about what the size of the problem is, you're right. It's not just you know some Filipinos who have migrated to Canada sending money to the Philippines. There are over 155 million migrant workers every year all over the world that are dealing with this problem. Hmm. That is a huge, huge uh, market for sure. Wow. So I can see how uh, uh, rainforest, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're fostering innovation uh, where that has really, uh, that's a place that uh, you could be networking and that's why you've been there. Uh, uh, we need to diversify our economy here in, in Alberta and, uh, and certainly that's a 
diversified from the oil and gas industry for sure, but yet servicing people working in that industry because that industry is very important to us still. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, going forward now. Uh, when is the when do you expect the app to be fully functional, or is it functional already? Uh, have you jumped through all the hoops of the, that fintech requires you to jump through? Uh, are you ready to go? When are you in beta? Where are you right now? No, that's a great question. Uh, it is, it's not live at the moment. We're finishing uh, what's called our minimum viable product, or MVP. It is in prototype mode. And where we're at right now is I'm looking for uh, connections to uh, Filipinos who have experience sending money home to their family uh, to share that experience with me. I would love to chat with them. And you know, if it made sense for them to have them help us test our prototype. So we're still in development mode. Uh, we do have a working prototype. And we're looking for people to help us test. Uh, timeline, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not able to, to give that this, this moment because we do have some regulatory hoops to jump through. And if we're at the mercy of the government. It's really tough to put them on a schedule as much as I would love to. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're close enough where it's going to make a difference. Um, but to be able to say we're launching XYZ date, I wouldn't be able to say that today. Okay, great. So we still got a little bit of time. And so... Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, a final uh, words of advice for entrepreneurs. You know, I mean, you talked a while back about, uh, you know, firing your boss. And and you, I don't know what you, you must have had some savings, but a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, uh, I, they, I'd be very nervous to tell them to fire their boss mm -hmm. because most people are, are paycheck away from uh, being in serious trouble. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for an entrepreneur that's looking to, uh, or somebody who's looking to take a leap into the entrepreneurial field? They're, they're working right now. They're lucky enough to have a job. Uh, what would you say to them right now? Man, I have a ton of things I would love to say. Right now. <laughs> if I was to give you one thing, one thing only, and I've made this mistake in almost every single business I've been involved in, it's the first thing you need to do as an entrepreneur is get a customer. It's not build your website. It's not you know create these email platforms. It's not get a CRM to manage all these potential clients that you can get in touch with. The best businesses I've I've seen that are the most successful, um, they got a client before they did anything else. And here's how I know why everybody who wants to do it has the will to do it can because each and every one of us knows something that somebody else would be willing to pay for. There, however, there's people listening to this right now that are saying, well, that's easier said than done. Because if I go out and I'm trying to get a client and they're going to go, have you got a business card? Have you got a website? And they want to look at that. And you're saying even before you get to that stage, uh, get a customer. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, now, it's not just any customer, Alan. Um, there has to be, you know, it has to be somebody who you know, like and trust. And they need to know, like and trust you. Right? So you're not just going to walk into the street, talk to a stranger, say, I'm starting a business doing X and you should pay me for this product or service that I think I can deliver to you. Um, it's actually going to come from somebody probably already in your network who knows, likes, and trusts you uh, and know that you can deliver whatever the service and value is that you, you have to offer them. So it's not quite as simple as, hey, I'm just going to walk in the street and start selling something. But I guarantee that everybody knows something that they can sell to somebody that is willing to pay for their knowledge um, that already know, like, and trust them. Awesome. Uh, 
Stacy, thank you so much for your time today. This has been uh, a great uh, uh, talking with you here. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, I'm sure that if anybody wants to reach out to you, they can uh, connect with you at lunch without lunch at Rainforest. But uh, they um, are you on LinkedIn as well? Can they reach out to you on LinkedIn? Absolutely. I'm on every social media platform you can think of. <laughs> uh, the, the best place to connect with me personally, uh, and I reply to every message, is my website at stacyrichter.com. It's S-T-A-C-Y-R-I-C-H-T-E-R.com. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This podcast was made possible by a generous contribution from Zinc Ventures and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.